Welcome to North Point. Hey, we're glad you're here. If today is your first time at North Point, uh, I want to say welcome. Uh, before we get to kind of the next little thing, let me just say if today's your first time, it's going to be a little bit different because today is a, a special day for an offering that we've kind of pointed to for a long time. Uh, more about that in just a second. But uh, our ushers are coming down now and passing out welcome books. Uh, they're a tool that we use to uh, stay in contact with each other and um, and uh, to let us know what's going on in your life, uh, to be able to stay in touch with you, communicate with you. If you're here for the first time, be sure and fill that out. If you've been here a zillion times, be sure and fill that out. Uh, That's a cool thing. Uh, If you're here for the first time, it's a safe thing. We won't sell your info to anybody. Uh, We won't come knocking on your door. We will uh, send you a letter this week that just says thanks for coming. And and somebody really cool will give you a call and send you a note with a little gift in it that, uh, that will be cool as well. Uh, we're glad about that. We start a new series today. <coughs> Woohoo! Called All In. All In. And, uh, what's, what's, what's cool about this series is there's some elements to this today that are, uh, connected to, to the special offering that we're gonna talk about more. Um, but, this whole series, the next six or seven weeks, are really all about this concept of going all in with Jesus, about giving him complete control of our lives. And so um, over the next few weeks, it's going to be cool to see that fleshed out. Next week is Mother's Day. Buy your cards, get your flowers, call your mom, do what you need to do to make that happen. But you know what? There's, there's not really anybody else who goes all in in the way that moms do in showing their love for us. Amen? Yeah, uh, that's cool. Um, a couple weeks after that's Memorial Day. What a great example of being all in of, of sacrifice than uh, our, our military, our first responders that give themselves on behalf of a nation, uh, put themselves out there. Uh, the week after that is Graduate Sunday. It's the Sunday that uh, everybody in most of the high schools are going to be graduating that weekend. And i uh, got a special service planned that day that's going to be really about um, encouraging graduates to go all in with God's plan for their life um, in, in following his plans, not just theirs. And, uh, and that's cool. On the 9th, Herb and Kim Burkett, our missionaries to Ukraine, are going to be here. And uh, we're going we're gonna to share the, yeah, nice. Uh, we're going we're, uh, to share the stage that day. I'm going to talk with them to kind of give you all a sense of, of what God has uh, been doing in Ukraine, how God's using them. That's going to be cool. And then on June 16th, on Father's Day, Mark Whitaker is going to be here. If you were around a while ago, Mark Whitaker was planning on coming in last November. His wife got sick. She couldn't come. Mark is the primary figure in um, in uh, the biggest price-fixing scheme in the history of man. It was a worldwide price-fixing scheme. He was the whistleblower, movie made about him, all kinds of stuff. That's on June 16th, and uh, that would be a great Sunday to invite some friends to come. He's going to talk about going all in in terms of pursuing the truth, going all in in terms of God's love for us, no matter what's going on in our life, going all in in terms of um, a marriage that that uh, looked like it couldn't survive through all of the crisis and uh, all of the struggle of that. You understand this concept of all in, right? It's that, that, that image, that phrase, it comes from playing poker, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, when you're, when you're playing poker, right, and you've got the cards, I, ho, 
the chips are flying. Um, I said, I said first service, I actually said before first service, my parents would roll over in their graves if they saw me shuffling the cards um, on a Sunday morning from the stage. But with the sun, yeah. So you're looking at your cards and you say, you know what? I've got the cards to win with. I'm, I'm betting everything. I'm going all in. So all my chips push into the front of the table, right? Nobody's taking pictures this service. Some, the, this doesn't happen very often. Somebody got one? Okay. All right. Good. You don't look very good in sunglasses. Uh, you, you got it? You're ready, Jason? You got it? Okay. Um, it's that it's this concept of all in, which is really cool that Amy in the beginning of the message or in the beginning of the service talked about raising a hallelujah, right? Uh, if you were if you were here, uh, that was cool. Um, all in. Um, if uh, what what we want to communicate is as a church what it looks like for us to be all in, and uh, Tim Russ put together a video that just kind of captures as a church what that looks like for us. Take a look up on screen. North Point for me has taught me freedom in Christ. And um, that's not only refreshing to me, but it's liberating. My feet are frozen on this middle ground. The water's Giving myself over to God and Jesus on a daily basis completely without abandon is, uh, is what's keeping me sober today. And it's just such a gift. So I step to the edge and I take a deep breath. We're all down to live, but we're all scared to death. And this is the part where my head tells my heart to should turn back around, but there's no turning back now. I'm going desire uh, to help people find and follow Jesus. And through the generous support we've received from churches just like yours, we've been able to do just that. see people come to know Jesus and to follow him as disciples. And so to have churches like you that have a heart to to see churches thrive and survive and be replanted is huge. So thank you so much for your partnership. Thank you so much for your support here in Clio, Michigan of City Church.
with Jesus and it ends with Jesus and it, there doesn't seem to be any confusion about um, anything else you have to do. That was such an eye-opener to, to me. Yeah, because of His glory, we all have a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. kingdom come and i want to hear you say welcome home my child well done so very cool so very cool to think about what god has called us to do in being all in if you got your bibles uh we're going to go on a ride through the message today uh take out your the north point app if you if you have that if you haven't downloaded you go ahead and download that because you've got to know that if you're going to go all in, if you're going to go all in, you've got to know the mission of where you're going. When you're playing cards, when you're, when you're doing it, when you're looking at your cards and saying, am I, am I going to, am I going to bet everything or not? You've got to know what the end result is, right? If you're going all in, you've got to know the mission. A soldier can't complete his mission if he doesn't know what it is. He can follow orders, but unless he has some sense of what their unit is supposed to do, he can't make it happen. What's your individual mission as a follower of Jesus? Jesus, Jesus said it this way, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're serious about being a follower of Jesus, that's your mission as an individual. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Our corporate mission as a church is to help all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. To help all people, that's evangelism, move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus, that's discipleship. That's what we're about. That's what we're challenging, challenging you to be all in. Um, that mission, North Point's mission, helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus, sounds a lot like the words of Jesus in Matthew 28. Check that out. Go, th go there. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, evangelism, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, discipleship. Surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Our mission as a church, our mission here at North Point, is to reach people who don't know Jesus and to bring them into a relationship with him. Our mission is to help people learn what it means to follow Jesus, to be transformed and changed by Jesus, to be committed to the mission of Jesus, his mission here on earth. Understand that that mission, our mission, helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus, that's not a strategy that's not a goal. That is our mission. That is our purpose. That's why we exist. We want people all over to come to know him, to become his disciples. Don't, don't miss this. We want North Point to be a place that's safe for people to explore what it means to follow Jesus. 
We want when people come in and they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know, uh, they don't know what the Bible's all about. We want this to be a place that they can understand, that they can say, man, I don't get all of this, but this is, this is answering some questions and it's raising some questions for me. We want it to be a safe place, but make no mistake about it. We want as people come and, and, and come be a part of Jesus, we want Jesus to transform their lives. We, we don't want them to just come and be here week after week after week and say, oh yeah, I go to church. I understand the Bible stories. We want Jesus to jump into their heart and turn their lives upside down. Joining an organization is very different than embracing its mission. Becoming a member at North Point, coming to church here on a weekly basis, it's very different than embracing the mission of North Point, helping people come to know Jesus. You, you can join the library. You can have a library card. That's very different than embracing the, the, the mission to stomp out, to eradicate illiteracy, right? Two completely different kinds of things. The video that we put together to show this morning is to demonstrate what our mission looks like in real terms here at North Point. How we want to impact the community. What God is calling us to do. What it looks like to have lives changed. Um, there's some incredibly cool things that are going on in the next several months that are going to help us live out what our mission looks like. Um, you may not know this, but the City of Lansing Visitors Bureau came to us, came to North Point, and said, we want to do an event this fall. That's, it's going to be called Faith in the 517, where we pack 100,000 meals for families here in, La in the Lansing area in mid-Michigan. The reason that they came to North Point is because for the last four years, that's what we've been doing. Not at that level. But they're, they're, they're doing all the big-scale publicity stuff, and we're providing the structure and the resources to be able to do that. We're going to partner with businesses we're going to partner with individuals. We're going to partner with other churches, with, uh, with other nonprofits to help make that happen. In order to pack 100,000 meals in one morning, we're going to need about 1,000 people. And it, it's an incredible opportunity for us to make a huge impact here in mid-Michigan. The food will go to Greater Lansing Food Bank, to local area food banks. It'll go to, to kids who are part of backpack programs that, that are on free and reduced lunch. It's going to be an incredibly cool thing. That's a part of our mission. Um, the, uh, many of you were here on Easter Sunday, and you watched the video. We showed just a little clip out of that out of, uh, from Awaken Ministry, um, a ministry to post-abortive women, women who, um, who, who terminated a pregnancy in their past and are carry, carrying guilt and pain and shame from that, a, a, a sense of, of God's inability to forgive that sin. Um, this fall, Amy tells me, Amy tells me 40% of women over the age of 18 have experienced an abortion. That's an incredibly high number. This fall, we're going to launch a ministry to men who have been a part of the decision of a woman having an abortion. They may have buried that in their past, but I know that there are men carrying guilt, uh, carrying regret. Been, been struggling with the sense, can God really love me because of the decision I helped carry out with this woman? Um, that, it's, it's going to be really, really cool. Um, this summer, 
This summer, we're partnering with the DeWitt YMCA to host weeks of camp, I think six weeks of camp, seven weeks of camp, here at North Point. The, the Y is doing the camp, but they're doing it here in our facility on our grounds. And we're going to have an opportunity to tell those kids about Jesus this summer. Is that, is that incredible or what? That's, that's what it looks like to be, to be living out our mission. Our offering today, the offering that we're going to do at the, at the end of the service, it's the, the, the hope, the, the, the dream is that our offering would wipe out our indebtedness. Our, we owe about $750,000 on, on this facility. And when that indebtedness is paid off, it'll free up $11,000 a month, about $130,000 a year, for us to do ministry like those things multiplied over and over and over again. Being all in on helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus um, has incredible kinds of opportunities for us. If you're going to go all in, you've got to know the mission helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. If you're going to be all in, you've got to know the cost as well. Jesus talked a lot about knowing the cost of following him, right? When the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do? Ultimately, Jesus says, here's here's what it's about. Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. That was the cost for the rich young ruler. Nicodemus, this religious leader, comes to Jesus at night and says, what what do I need to do to be a disciple? What do I need to do to have a relationship with, with God that I've never experienced before? You know what Jesus says? Here's the cost. You've got to be born again. You've got to be transformed from the inside out. You can't live any longer just going through the, the externals of religion. You've got to be born again. The woman caught in adultery that's made a spectacle of out, out in the middle of town. When everybody leaves and Jesus is there talking to her, he says, here's the cost. Here's the cost. Go and sin no more. Change your life. Change the path that you're on. Um, Jesus talked about it with, with the crowds of people that came to, to listen to him. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, starts this description where Jesus talks about counting the cost. It says, large groups were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yeah, even his own life, that's big stuff, right? Such a person cannot be my disciple. Everything pales in comparison to our relationship with Jesus. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one who's coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus said you've got to consider the cost. Consider what it will take to be one of my followers. Does anybody ever travel north on 127? 
You get up above St. John's, you go, uh, I think it's past um, uh, Uncle John's Cider Mill. There's this structure sort of on the right, this pole barn that was started like 20 years ago. The poles. There's uh, there the, the somebody started out to build a barn. Didn't have the money. Didn't finish it. And now there is this monument to their inability to count the cost. Right? All these poles sticking up, falling by their sides. Jesus said, "If you want to meet up, if you want to be my disciple, you've got." To count the cost. Mark describes a similar conversation Jesus had with his disciples. Mark 8. Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? The words of Jesus, an invitation to take up your cross daily. It was an invitation to die to yourself. An invitation to die to self-preservation. An invitation to die to self-sufficiency. I can do this on my own. I can, I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. It was an invitation to die. And instead to trust Jesus implicitly for everything to trust him for protection, to trust him for provision, to trust him for eternity. To anyone under the authority of Rome in the first century, when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me, that would have been an incredibly repulsive picture. Uh, if you were here on Easter Sunday, when I described what Jesus went through when he was flogged, what, what he went through when he went to the cross, that's the picture that was in people's minds. So that when Jesus said, you know what, you want to follow me? Take up your cross. There was this vivid, gruesome image. It was not appealing. It was not some, something that people said, oh yeah, I want that. It was to die to self. This all-in series, the next six, seven weeks, is all about sacrifice. It's about counting the cost. It's about embracing the mission, the mission without reservation. You know, in the last 35 or 40 years, football has changed a ton. When I was in high school and played football, um, there, there was something that doesn't happen anymore because it's against the rules now. What happened was on a kickoff, the kickoff receiving team would have their line of guys up front, and once the ball was kicked, there would be about five guys in the center who would run back, set up about five to seven yards in front of the guy who's receiving the ball, and they would form a wall. They would form a wedge. Their purpose then was to stay together, to link their arms or whatever, and to just go straight forward so that that guy who received the ball, received the kickoff, could run right up behind him. Once one of them got knocked down, there'd be a hole. They could run and go for a touchdown. That was the kickoff receiving team. You can't do that anymore. The kickoff team had typically two guys that their role was to run down and throw themselves into that wedge of guys and blow it apart. Um, it, it was to bust the wedge. At my school, on my football team, that role was called wedge buster. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty creative. 
Their whole, their whole goal was to go down and to just give themselves up to, to run with reckless abandon, full speed, smack into the middle of that wall of guys so that somebody else could make the tackle. Um, when, when I was in high school, I remember reading this passage where Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, they need to deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. The image that was in my mind was that of a wedge buster. You know what? No one on Friday night, high school football game, the wedge buster's name never got called on the loudspeaker. They were anonymous. Nobody paid any attention to him. They called the name of the guy who, who received it. They called the name of the guy who tackled him. But nobody ever paid attention to the guy who sacrificed himself so that the, so that the play could happen. A generation before that, in World War II, um, we, we read about, some of you remember, kamikaze pilots for Japan. Guys who would, who would fly their planes into the Allied ships to destroy the ships, giving up their life in the process. Um, in April of 1944, there was, one, there was one battle that Japan launched 1,900 kamikaze planes into the Allied, uh, in, into the Allied fleet. And, um, and all 1,900 pilots died. Um, they sank 26 ships, 164 ships were, were damaged. Ultimately, every Japanese pilot in that process gave up their life. I, I ran across a quote that was really interesting. It was a commander of the kamikaze pilots, and this was the charge he gave his pilots. Japan is in grave danger The salvation of our country is now beyond the powers of the minister of state, the general staff, and lowly commanders like myself. It can only come from spirited young men such as you. Thus, on behalf of your hundred million countrymen, I ask of you this sacrifice and pray for your success. But one thing you want to know is that your crash dive is not in vain. Regrettably, we will not be able to tell you the results but I shall watch your efforts to the end and report your deeds to the throne. You may all rest assured on this point. Kamikaze pilot, all in, sacrificing himself for the good of his nation. Um, You know, when, when we talk about going all in, about living a life of sacrifice to Jesus, it's given up everything to follow him. And when we talk in terms of the offering that we're going to do at the end of the service today, it's the exact opposite of the prosperity gospel. You understand what the prosperity gospel is? Those are guys who, who preach and say, oh, you need to give because if you give, you're going to be blessed. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to get back a hundred times more than, than you give. And you, and you will be rich and wealthy here on earth because of the gifts that you give. Our offering today is the exact opposite of that. I'm, I'm challenging you to go all in and to sacrifice, to give sacrificially, not expecting anything in return, because the goal of the giving is so that the mission can get accomplished. You know, again, as, as we're thinking about the offering, there's some, there's some tension in that, because we, 
we grow up as Americans, we think, you know what, I've got to prepare for the future, right? I've got to plan for my retirement. I've got to plan for my kids' college education. I've got savings that, that's there for a rainy day. I've got all that stuff going on. Um, and, and I want to challenge you to, today to recognize that, that, that those pockets that you have of money, they're not your pockets, they're God's pockets, It's easy, it's incredibly easy for us to trust our future to our IRA, to trust our kids' future to the college fund that we have, to trust our ability to sustain whatever happens based on our savings that we have. Recognize that all of that money came from God to begin with. He's the one who has entrusted it to us. And my challenge to you today is to say, you know what, don't put your trust in those things. Because if you're going to go all in, you've got to know who to trust. You've got to know what to trust. Every time that Jesus talked about money, every time that scripture talks, is about, talks about money, it's about trust. It's about whether we trust our stuff, trust our income, trust our resources, or whether we trust God. Paul said it this way to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That echoes the words of Jesus, right? Don't lay up for yourself treasures here on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world. Do you understand that we all are rich? We all are rich. If your annual income is greater than $35,000, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the world. 1%. $35,000. Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. It's, it's crazy easy for us to be arrogant. Let's be, let's be honest. How many times have you said, that person's poor because it's their own fault? If they just worked harder, if they just looked for a different job, if they just went to school, if they just improved themselves... It's easy for us to be arrogant. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Man, understand that everything that you have set aside for the future, it is uncertain. Do you remember 2008? Anybody remember what happened then? I, I remember going to church in 2008, and there, there's a particular guy that I was friends with, a guy who had retired from an automotive uh, industry job, had a pension. Had all, he, had, he had lots of stuff laid up. And I remember every week he would get, he, he, you could almost see him shrinking. I said, what's going on? He said, everything that I have counted on has evaporated. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I don't know. I'm 74, and I think I've got to go back to work. Our wealth is uncertain. We can't trust it. Um, You know, nothing comes with a guarantee. 
It's easy to trust our IRA. It's easy to trust our savings account. It's easy to trust our college funds. It's easy to trust our pensions. It's easy to trust our Social Security allowance that we're going to get. None of it's guaranteed. God is the one who provides for us. Yet from, from the time that we announced today's offering, there have been all kinds of questions about exactly what we'll do when the mortgage is, is paid off here at North Point. We haven't spelled that out really for two very clear reasons. One is we don't know what today's offering is going to be. You know, if, it, if it's $750,000, man, we will have a rock and cool party and we'll be sharing stuff with you right away about what God has in front of us. But if it's not that, and it's another two or three years, we haven't spelled out that list because in two or three years, God may have us have something else on our plate. He may have opened an opportunity for us, and we don't want to be tied to what's going on right now. So, so that's one of the reasons that we haven't, that we haven't shared stuff. Um, the, the, uh, the other reason is that we have a process that we use for how we spend money at North Point. Every year, the staff starts this process of putting together a budget that ultimately everybody agrees on. That budget that gets, that gets um, formulated ultimately goes from the staff to the finance team. The finance team asks great questions. They look, at, they look at that and figure out how it all fits together. From the finance team, it goes to the elders, to the spiritual leaders of the church. They ask questions, and they fine-tune it, and they say, oh, yeah, no, this is too much, this is too little, whatever it is. But that's another level of accountability. And ultimately, the, the budget then comes to the congregation, to North Point. To affirm and say, yeah, this looks good. We, in that process, we have opportunities for people to ask questions, to look at specific stuff that's there in the budget. Um, we haven't spelled out what we're going to spend it for because it, that will go through the normal budgeting process, this, this sense of what God has called us to do. Um, it's important for you to know that if ever money is spent outside of the budget, and that does happen, let me, let me just be real clear. If that does happen, um, it happens as a result of lots of communication between the staff, elders, finance team, all those pieces together. Sometimes we spend out of the budget because God provides an opportunity for us that we say, you know what, this is clearly a God thing. We didn't anticipate it. We didn't budget for it. We're, we're going to do it. God has given us the ability to do it. We're going to proceed and do that. Sometimes we spend out of the budget because there, there are bills that happen just like in your normal household stuff that you just don't anticipate. My first year here at North Point, I think in a calendar year, we had 11 furnaces die. We didn't anticipate that. You know, they were 6,000 bucks a furnace, lots of furnaces around. It, it was crazy. They just kept dying over and over. That's not something that we budgeted, but that was something that we were able to, to take care of and, and spend the money for. Sometimes that happens. Um, it's always with a lot of communication. Um, it's important for you to know about finances at North Point that there's a, there's a high level of accountability. We just finished um, a financial review, uh, outside audit kind of a thing with a CPA who's outside of the church. He came back with a great report that, that really was very, very affirming of all of our processes, of all of our counting, all of that process together. If you want to read that, I'll send it to you. It's great to read about 1130 at night. Um, you know, you, you can just enjoy that to your heart's content. Every month, every month a financial report goes out to the finance team and to the elders. 
Um, if you're interested in getting that, there's no secrets in that, the itemized budget kind of piece. It's, if you're a numbers geek, you might get a, a kick out of that. We're happy to share that. Um, there's accountability. I, that's what I want to, that's what I want to communicate to you. How we handle our money, both individually and corporately, matters to God. It matters a lot to God. For each of us, we need to be good stewards for us as a church. Paul wrote this to, the, to, to, to Timothy in that same letter. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, don't let this be you. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. To the church in Corinth, Paul wrote, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this gift, in this grace of giving. Going all in means putting our financial resources that God has entrusted to us back into his hand. Uh, just a couple other pieces. For every $100,000 that, that we receive in today's offering, it'll cut a year off our mortgage. That's, that's, that's big. That's big. It'll save money over the, the terms of the loan. Um, electronic giving is an option. Maybe you came today and you're not ready to give. Uh, know that you can go to the app. Know that you can go to the website. There's a pull-down menu there that says all-in offering, and you can give electronically if you want to. Had a question between services about, about um, appreciated gifts, stock, um, you know, IRA, all that kind of stuff. If you're interested in knowing more about that, happy to talk to you about that as well. Um, Thinking about today's service brought to mind the movie Schindler's List. came out 26 years ago. If you saw that movie, it's the story of Oscar Schindler, this businessman who was a part of, uh, uh, he was a German businessman who was a part of the Nazi party that became appalled at what the Nazis were doing to the Jews. He ultimately started a factory and, and, and bought the safety of Polish Jews to work in his factory by, by selling different parts of his business. He ultimately ended up bankrupt because he gave his fortune to save the lives of the, of the Jews who worked for him. At the end of the movie, there's a, there's a scene where one of the guys who works in the factory um, has a tooth pulled out by a friend because it has a gold filling. And they take that gold filling and they melt it down and they, they shape it. It, they fashion it into a ring, and they etch inside the ring, he who saves one life saves the world. And they gave it to Schindler, as Schindler has to leave the factory because the Soviets are coming in. And he's a Nazi, and so they're going to they're gonna take him and kill him. So he's, he's escaping with the blessing of these people around. Schindler, when he gets the ring, breaks down and says, I could have gotten more out. If I just, I could have gotten more. His assistant says, Oscar, there are 1,200 people who are alive because of you. Look at them. Schindler can't but says, if I'd made more money, I threw away so much money. You have no idea. If I'd just, 
His assistant says, there will be generations because of what you did. Schindler says, I didn't do enough. This car, they would have bought this car. Why did I keep the car? Ten people right there. Ten more I could have got. This pin, two more. This is gold. Two more people. He would have given me two for it. At least one. He would have given, he would have given one. One more person. A person stern for want. One more. I could have got one more person. And I didn't. Sobbing, he says, they killed so many people. Margaret Moots came to North Point as an infant in 1925 with her mom and dad. She taught Sunday school for over 40 years, sang in the choir. She raised her children here. When the last members of her Sunday school class passed away, she became a part of a life group that meets right now here at North Point on Sunday mornings led by Maxine Klan. Even in her 90s, she was faithful and consistent, contributing to the church and to the kingdom. She was all in for North Point and all in for Jesus. When we first announced the all-in offering late last fall, it was just a few weeks after Margaret's death, her life group decided that one of the coolest things as a tribute to Margaret would be to collect an offering each week and to give it today in the all-in offering. They brought it by early this week, $1,777. Retired folks, incredibly cool. Yeah. We're going to take up our offering in just a second. I just want to spend a little bit of time praying. God, you have blessed us with so much. We have closets full of stuff, garages full of stuff. We have money stocked away, socked away for different kinds of things. God, my deepest desire today is that you would leave us with a burden for the mission that you've given us to help lost people come to know Jesus. God, help us to rethink the stuff that we have so that that mission might be accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a family here in mid-Michigan on the brink of divorce. Trust has been betrayed. They've tried to find love and happiness in people who are not their spouse. They've violated their wedding vows. There are kids, little guys, that see their mom and dad fight and scream and throw things. Teenagers that have to watch out for their parents because they have to rescue them when they give in to their addictions for drugs or alcohol. They're trying to find anything that they can to try and make sense of their broken and hurting lives. There's a young professional here in our area who looks like he has it all together. He has a great car. He drives, uh, he has a great job. He drives a nice car. He's bought his own home. People look at him and think success. What they don't know is that he's barely holding it together. He's spending more money than he's making. He's in debt up to his eyeballs. He lied on his taxes and he's hoping like crazy that he doesn't get audited. He can't stay in a relationship because he's afraid to let anyone in to really see the real him. The one who knows that he is anything but a success. 
There's a teenager here in our area that doesn't know if they can keep going because the expectation of their parents and their teachers are so high. They like the sports that they're involved in, but there's not a lot of joy in them because they control their lives. Their parents say if they don't work harder, they're never going to get a college scholarship. They know they have to have a job because even with a college scholarship, they won't be able to afford college. They're running on five or six hours of sleep a night. It's like life is out of control for them. So they find something that can help them cope, like having a perfect body, get straight A's, spending every second they can in the weight room, alcohol, relationships, escaping into a whole other world on the computer. There's a retired couple in our area that feels abandoned. Their kids and grandkids don't come visit. They feel like technology has just passed them by. Every item of news that they see on television scares them. And the money that they've saved for retirement is dwindling away quickly. The news that they just received from the doctor has shaken them to their core. They feel lost and they don't know where to turn. Why does North Point Community Church exist? It's to help the family whose marriage is in crisis. To help that child or that kid who's struggling to find value. To help that single who's afraid to let anyone into their life that has screwed up everything. To help that senior who feels forgotten. Why does North Point exist? To help all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. Why does our offering today matter? Why does our offering every Sunday matter? Because there are thousands of people in Clinton County, in Ingham County, in Shiawassee County that are just like those I've described. We're going to stand and sing. And while we stand, we're going to give our offering. May God bless it and may we go all in for his mission to help people come to know Jesus and have their lives transformed. Let's stand together. Let's sing.